All down. All silent. Going, going, going. Go on, Congratulations. Welcome to the Current Market Insights Podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate. Each episode, we chat with real estate author and industry leader, Peter O'Malley, to discuss the current property market conditions and provide insights to assist you on your property journey. Welcome to our first New Year's edition of Current Market Insights. I'm your host, Kieran O'Brien, and with me in the new year is Mr. Peter O'Malley. G'day, Kieran. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, Peter, and Happy New Year to all of our listeners as well. Welcome back, Peter, and uh, I really am hoping that you'll join me today and just kick you off the podcast this year with a bit of a, a look ahead, a, a forecast of sorts of what we think 2024 is going to look like in terms of Sydney property. Uh, we have touched briefly on this this subject at the end of last year, but I think now that we're uh, we're in the, the fray of 2024, we should get a sense of what it's looking like on the road ahead. Kieran, the market had a, a bit of a soft finish to last year after what was otherwise a great year. House prices in Sydney were up 11%, but that growth was stopped in its tracks by the November interest rate rise, both from what the US Federal Reserve and the RBA have suggested. The property market is looking for interest rate cuts at some stage this year. There's a sense that whilst we may not have an implosion due to the mortgage cliff, there's a sense that at some stage in 2024, economic performance is going to be severely impacted by people's mortgages being reset from their COVID lows and that the RBA is going to need to throw in some relief there. If we remain on the current trajectory, I think that's probably a reasonable assessment. The X factor in all of this, of course, is what's happening in the Middle East and things are getting very testy over there and that could cause an inflationary outbreak if Western society can't uh, have its supply chain function appropriately. So I think on the trajectory we're on, the inflation rate is coming down very sharply and it's giving central banks scope to cut interest rates at some stage this year, um, which will support property markets. But geopolitically, uh, we could see an inflationary outbreak due to supply chain functions resulting from the, the Middle East. They're the big ones for mine. Yeah, unfortunately, there's uh, there's always so many factors that seem to be impacting us from overseas in terms of inflation. Uh, we, we touched on at the end of last year that we would have a better sense of what the RBA's position was and what the economic forecast was like as we got into the start of this year. Uh, do you think that we're still on track for those predictions we did sort of make last year in terms of when those cuts will come through? Or do you think the RBA may be forced to make some decisions a little bit earlier, as you say, in line with what's happening overseas? Look, the economic data that's come out so far for 2024 has been on the pessimistic side, not not dramatically um, downbeat, but certainly underperforming what everyone would like. And the RBA are probably happy with that. So new job ads have fallen. Consumer confidence is down. So whilst we saw a bump leading into Christmas from the Black Friday sales, it doesn't look like it was replicated uh, over the summer and the Christmas period. So the numbers that are coming through are subdued. I think the CPI number comes out early next week, so somewhere between the 29th and the 31st of January. That's the big number the RBA will be looking for. So everything suggests that rates will be going down. The IMF came out this week and said that they still believe that uh, the RBA may need to increase interest rates one or two more times based on the trajectory that, that we are on. The government's running a budget surplus, of course, so that's a, 
a good story. The iron ore price is above uh, budget estimates by a long way, so that's that's a good story. The government have the leverage to uh, introduce tax cuts, so that although the original plan may and probably will be altered, which we can discuss later. So yeah, okay, things are settling down in Australia, but economically we're still in a pretty good place. When you look at Germany, they're in uh, deflationary mode at the moment. Uh, China, I saw this morning, are looking at introducing a mammoth uh, stimulus bill to try and kickstart their economy, which still hasn't restarted after COVID. The Japanese property um, stock market has uh, increased to its highest level in 33 years this week, so that's a, a good story. Getting a true understanding of where America's really at is a little bit difficult because there's still a lot of stimulus money washing around there. So there's lots of conflicting signals out there for people to watch. So certainly, though, what I'm hearing uh, is hopefully by late next week, maybe early February, we should get a better sense of where we are positioned economically and then hopefully use that as a, a tool to try and predict what you know what may happen for us as homeowners and, and households around the country. With that in mind, do you think that if, uh, if the CPI numbers come in favourable next week that we might see cuts a little bit earlier than we had originally thought or do you think that the RBA may still hold and just see what, what the year kind of pans out like? Uh, particularly with that supply chain issue, I think the RBA would be well advised to just be patient with rate cuts. It's going to be painful for many people in, in, in the everyday economy to, to, to hear that probably. But there is history of thinking the inflation battle is one too early, backing off and then inflation springs back to life. What we must keep in mind is this, Kieran, is that when they say that the inflation rate is coming down, that is not to be confused with prices falling. That just means the rate at which prices are rising is slowing. So all of the price hikes that we have seen baked into the economy over the last two years are still there. And the only way that you would see prices fall is if we hit deflation, which is what Germany is seeing a version of at the moment. So I think the RBA will look to keep uh, interest rates elevated for a little bit longer than most people would like, myself included, but I'm a realist about what's in front of them. Just for our listeners, and I'm glad that you touched on what inflation really is a measure of, uh, for anyone who does try to follow the inflationary figures, what kind of lag do we see in the, the inflationary figures that we have on the ground and, and where that data really has come from in terms of uh, you know money movements and prices across the board? I think the CPI number that we're waiting on next week will be the uh, will be the December uh, CPI, and they've got all ways of skinning that um, seasonally adjusted. You know what does a normal December look like year on year? There'll be a basket there, so they're always uh, uh, itemising things in into the CPI basket and taking things out. Rent is one of the biggest aspects of the CPI basket, as is uh, fuel, energy, electricity. And the oil price uh, has settled down, which is great news for the inflation fight. But, uh, well, you can, tell, you can tell our audience, Kieran, what you've seen at rental open houses so far this year. Oh, it's been absolutely manic. I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly determined by the location of the property and its features, but uh, my experience has, has been absolutely crazy in, in short time periods. I've been absolutely overwhelmed trying to get the number of people through. Uh, and every single person asks me the same questions. How can I get this property? How can I beat out those guys there? You know, what's the process? Because we just, we need something now. 
Yeah, well, I, I my first Saturday uh, back at work this year, I went and did a couple of rental opens as well because I wanted to see it for myself on the ground, and my experience absolutely dovetails with that. It was it was crazy, and uh, I can't see any relief in sight there. So uh, that's that's going to continue to put upward pressure on uh, the inflation story. Okay, it's not maybe going to increase inflation in and of itself, higher rents, but it's going to add add to the pressure. That's for sure. Absolutely. And I certainly hope there is some relief out there. Just before we sort of move on, I did hear on the radio this morning uh, a a pretty well-known economist talking about the amount of mortgage stress that is out at the moment. You and I have touched on the mortgage cliff and the implications that will have for households. And and obviously, we're talking about inflation at the moment. Have you seen or, or have you been hearing of any rise in the incidence of mortgage stress in the market at the moment? Or do you think that it's, it's held pretty tightly or, or pretty you know, level from where we, we were last year? Uh, look, I, I think a lot of people's financial model is out of, out of whack and what's keeping them going is selling down assets, cutting back on costs, maybe delaying bills, using savings, those sorts of measures, all of which are short term. And the RBA will be monitoring all of this there's no doubt being the affluent country that we are that in Australia we had a lot of uh, runway to insulate ourselves from these uh, rate hikes that we've experienced over the last 19, 20 months. But all of those points that I've highlighted there are temporary and I do get the sense that uh, the record savings that Australians enjoyed coming out of COVID have been run down in the last uh, two years and, and that is why many people are pointing to you know, the broken budgets of many households and, uh, and and why the RBA will hit a point where they'll need to quickly adjust their interest rate setting to offer the relief. Well, we'll certainly uh, we'll talk about it on here when that time does come. Uh, I want to transition, Pete, and talk a little bit about Australian politics, something we don't really do on the podcast. We try to keep those uh, those interests separate. But it's been a pretty big few days, I think, in terms of government rumours slash announcements slash... Uh, things happening. And there's been a couple of things talked about, uh, in particular, the golden visa, uh, which I, I'd really love to get a sense from you of, of what that is for our listeners and, and really what it, you know, the implications of, of the potential changes are, uh, and also touch on some some tax changes. But if we can start, uh, it was mentioned or broken in the last 48 hours or so that the government is looking or has already started the process of making changes to the so-called golden visa. Uh, for me, I had never heard of this, and I'm sure there's many out there that haven't. Can you, I guess, give us some insight into what the Golden Visa is and then what these changes mean for it? Well, let's tie the two points in, in together, the tweaking of the tax cuts and the um, the suspension at this stage, Kieran. It's not actually cancelling the Golden Visa as it stands. It's It's been suspended in inverted commas, um, which is obviously the, the next, the, you know, the first step towards cancelling it, it outright, but also reserving the right to reintroduce it down the track if they see fit. So obviously someone saw fit to introduce the golden visa initially and they now see fit to suspend it until further notice. But one of the things we, we didn't – we don't talk much about politics in our podcast because it's a property podcast. But one of the things we have spoken about in our discussions last year is the evident and unfortunate wealth gap that is developing in Australia where it's really, really obvious – and I'm no socialist – but it's really obvious – that the, the rich are getting richer and the mainstream are falling further behind. And there is a widening gap between rich and poor with what feels like, I don't get all of the data that 
a government agency would get, or neither do you, but it feels like the middle class is getting squeezed in all of this. But as interest rates have gone up, it's like it's almost benefited the very wealthy, if you like. The tax cut changes that are being discussed in the media at the time that we're recording this suggests that there will be a reversal of some of those tax cuts for higher income earners and it'll be redistributed amongst more evenly amongst low income earners in the form of a higher tax free threshold from eighteen thousand up to twenty odd thousand dollars. And that is in and of itself is not going to rebalance the deteriorating wealth gap scenario in Australia. But it's a good move. And it's good politics by Anthony Albanese, who I think everybody would concede needs a really good start to reverse what was an absolute shocker of a year last year. And as I say, that move in and of itself is not going to reverse the the widening gap between rich and poor, but it's, it's a step in the right direction. Combined with suspending the golden visa rule for wealthy overseas investors, and that is really code for stopping the flow of wealthy Chinese buying assets and houses in, in Australia. And the reason I say that's code for that because of the people who took up the significant investor golden visa, it's reported that 90% of those were from China. Okay, so a couple of things to, to sort of unpack there. Just, I guess, for our listeners' benefit, the tax cuts we're referring to are the ones that have had plenty of media time over the last couple of years, these stage three cuts. Yes. Uh, and this, as you say, this redistribution of sorts is, is not only a good move by Anthony Albanese in terms of his position, but really is, as we've just talked about, something to help alleviate some of that stress that is definitely felt by families, whether you've got mortgage stress or not. Cost of living. Cost of living is, is tough right now. The golden visa, though, you, you've called it there the significant investment visa. So the gold, the golden visa is just a nickname. It, it, it's its true name is the significant investor. Okay. So you mentioned that ninety percent of the people who took up this visa were Chinese. Uh, do you have any, uh, I guess, outline of what the requirements are for the visa or uh, what what that means for for people looking to to come in? You've got to, you've got to invest five million dollars in the country, and you enjoy some lighter criteria than what a uh, a normal immigrant coming into the country would need to satisfy. Because you've essentially got $5 million or more to invest into the Australian economy, the Australian government, I'm trying to keep this basic and not bore people, the Australian government's saying, we want you because you, you've got money and you want to bring it to our country. The significant investor uh, visa leads straight into permanent residency. Permanent residency leads straight into the ability to buy Australian property. And particularly Melbourne real estate agents, but Sydney real estate agents as well, to a lesser degree in 2023, were seeing very, very wealthy Chinese people snap up exclusive real estate and pay very high prices for it, as these significant investors were looking to lock in substantial amounts of money outside the Chinese economy, which, as we've just discussed, is really under pressure at the moment. So there's money pouring out of China. It's no doubt pouring out of China globally and many other countries have got versions of, of this happening. I know that New Zealand had to take a pretty tough stance on, um, on, on you know, a similar version to the Golden Visa last year to stop the flood of money and distorting their economy. Canada's experienced the same. And, and, and here we are beginning 2024 where the government is saying we don't want your money effectively because you're distorting, you're distorting many a- aspects of Australian society. 
So we talked toward the end of last year about the increasing prevalence of, of Chinese buyers buying up these properties, as you just mentioned. Do you think that changes to you know the, the suspension, as, as you say, of this significant investor visa is going to have an impact on the amount or the rapidity or the, the regularity of sales in that high-end market across Sydney in particular? Oh, yes, I do. So the people that are already here are good. It's not retrospective. So those people, those Chinese that wanted their money out of China or wanted their money into Australia, whichever way you choose to look at the equation, they're okay. But yes, you won't necessarily see the flood of high-end Chinese buyers continuing to come into the market now. So given that we talked about the impact that money had on just propping up the increase in property prices last year and some of the forecasts that we did talk about in terms of growth in property prices this year, do you think that those forecasts now with this new information may in fact change and we may see just a a slight tempering of the growth this year? I think so. We have to rely to some degree on anecdotal evidence because we can only deal with what we're seeing on the ground and trying to piece information together in terms of reports and, and, and sales and stories that we hear across the board, the government would have a better idea. So you would have to say that if the government have gone out and spent political capital in this space, they deem it as something that needs to be done. Anecdotally, I wouldn't say it's going to be a dominating aspect that will cause, you know, the the lack of uh, significant investors pulling out or being forced out of the Australian market will see prestige property prices uh, collapse because the people who are operating at that end of the market only tend to sell when they're happy with the price they achieve. And it's not that the Chinese were an all-dominant buyer profile at that end of the market. They were just the additional percentage of the demand that was coming into an already overheated sector of the property market. And the prestige end of the property market, as we know, has been the strongest for the last three or four years. Yeah, well, certainly uh, safe to say that we'll we'll have to sit on the fence a little bit here and just wait and see what, what happens as we move forward. As we sort of move towards wrapping up today, Peter, I'd love to get a bit of a market wrap for how we've started off in 2024. You mentioned you uh, you started the year back showing some rental properties, which you may not have done for a little while in your real estate career, but uh, it'd be nice to get a sense of what you've seen so far since you've been back uh, around, particularly uh, we've touched on rents and, and how busy it is at rental opens, but in terms of sales opens, in terms of buyer inquiry, the usual uh, metrics we kind of look at in, in you know Sydney property. Uh, Kieran, coming into this year, I probably had three uh, thoughts on the property market. There would be more sellers in 2024. There would be less buyers in 2024. None of that is to suggest there'll be a property crash, but I think the equation, the supply-demand equation, will be closer together or tighter than what it was in 2023. We must keep in mind that the 2023 property market occurred due to an absolute lack of listings and sales volumes were really tight. So those buyers that were wanting to buy, needing to buy, found themselves competing with more more buyer competition and less available stock in 2023. But coming into this year, we were really confident that we would see, you know, across the city more listings and that's the way it's playing out. And when we do put a listing on the market, the buyer inquiry is probably not as robust as what it was this time last year. And that's unsurprising because we've had uh, a full percentage point in interest rate increases since last January. I've never seen so much stock on the market before Australia Day as what we've seen this January. So I think that's really interesting. 
And then the third point that we expected in the 2024 property market is the rental market or the rental crisis would continue to become more acute. And that is exactly how it's playing thus far as we've already discussed. We certainly, yeah, certainly are seeing a, a bit of a crisis on the ground with the rentals. Just with the buyer inquiry, have you seen a shift in the type of uh, buyer that, that is looking for properties at the moment? Is it a particular subset? Is it those that have held over from last year that were unsuccessful? Is it new people entering or is it a bit of a mixture of all at the moment? Uh, look, what we're not seeing is investors. So we're not, we're not having people ring us up and say, the rental market's strong, therefore I'd like to buy uh, an investment property and take advantage of it. The vendors that are coming to market... Uh, there are a lot of investors that are saying, I'd like to move this investment property on. So that trend of investors selling out at a higher rate than those buying in is going to be there in 2024, tightening the rental pool even further. New building starts collapsed late last year. They fell by 22%, I think I saw in, in, in one report. So we are inviting more people into the country. I know the government are trying to slow that, but we are inviting more people into the country than what we have new housing for those people. So that's going to continue to push the the rents up. But in terms of who's buying at the moment, we haven't seen a great deal of large family homes come to market yet. So it's a bit hard to gauge what the buy demand for those are. But your standard terrace in the inner west, which is what we sell a lot of. Uh, I showed an open house in Roselle on Saturday and for the first inspection, 24 parties arrived. Some of those people were you know, taking a look at the new year stock and just market researching, some of those were particularly keen to buy sooner rather than later if they could find the right property. Downsizers, we've seen a lot of downsizers uh, looking to potentially sell down their uh, long-held family home and, and move into uh, luxury apartment type living and I think they'll become more active as the year goes on. Uh, so as we wrap up, Peter, if uh, if there's any potential sellers out there listening at the moment, if there was a particular section of the market that you think might have pretty good success, you know, before Australia Day or even just afterwards, any thoughts on, on what part of the market might do well at the moment? No, look, we have seen a few sales across the market. and There's no consistency at the moment, Kieran, as to what is selling and what's not. That'll become more evident by the end of February, I think. But as I say, uh, vendors need to be... Uh, realistic and 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 not overly aggressive in their pricing strategies coming into the market this year because there's more seller competition there to meet them than what there has been for quite some time to begin a new year. So I've got to price it right and they'll sell it, you reckon? Got to price it right and work with the market. Now, I'm not suggesting the market can't rise in the first quarter of, of this year, but as it stands here and now, uh, I don't think it is going to increase and, and, and it may moderately soften if too much stock comes to market at once. Uh, really good wrap-up, Peter. And as always, uh, it's a, an insightful conversation with you, particularly around the nuances of the Sydney property market. Uh, as always, thank you so much for your time and I look forward to chatting to you next time. Yeah, indeed. Thanks, Kieran. Thank you and thank you for listening to Current Market Insights. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on the Current Market Insights podcast, brought to you by Harris Partners Real Estate the podcast providing real estate insights you won't find anywhere else.